0: Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Do you feel stuck in life? Inwardly, you keep repeating the same thoughts. Outwardly, you keep repeating the same routine. And on and on, a cycle of unhappy disappointment goes. To break the cycle, maybe what you need to do is watch a film that has become synonymous with this kind of stuckness. Groundhog Day, which my guest says contains the roadmap to escaping a life lived on autopilot. His name is Paul Hannum. He's the author of The Wisdom of Groundhog Day, How to Improve Your Life One Day at a Time. And today on the show, Paul unpacks the deeper philosophical layers of what's considered one of the best movies of all time. Paul explains how the film teaches us that to escape the ruts of what he calls the Groundhog Day condition, we must first make an interchange where we learn to approach life in a more grateful, present-focused, engaged way. From there, we can embrace the film's unique strategy for change, which is to experiment with doing something new every day, thereby refining and improving our lives through the process of trial, error, and progressive improvement. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is groundhog.
1: All right, Paul Hannum, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Brett. So you are
0: a speaker, you're an entrepreneur, you're an academic who taught about organizational behavior and entrepreneurship at Oxford University. You've also written a book about the surprising wisdom that can be found from the 1993 cult classic Bill Murray film, Groundhog Day. I'm curious, when did you start thinking about the life-changing insights contained in Groundhog Day? I mean, what was going on in your life when you thought, this movie resonates
1: well you know i first watched this film in 1993 the year it came out and i thought wow what a what a brilliant comedy it was hilarious and magical but it also had a profound effect on me unlike any other movie and you know when i talk about this half the people i talk to think i'm mad and half the people i talk to get it straight away because there's something so much deeper when you go below the surface of what is really a deceptively simple romantic comedy and what it did for me was it really i felt that phil was my story I was very ambitious, I I was very self-centred, a classic only child, and at the beginning of the film I recognised him, maybe not as bad as him, Uh, this is Bill Murray's character Phil Connors, but by the end I saw a vision of how my life could be and like phil i had hit rock bottom in my life and i really had to find my true self i've always suffered acutely from anxiety and some depression and for me the way he changes and transforms himself in the movie was a real path for me but i was able to escape from a lot of my anxiety and depression and help my clients with too because I was on a career path where I was motivated by financial success, status, you know, popularity, but now. After this movie, I switched to really focusing on my inner life rather than my outer life, to really focus on my health, my mental health, my well-being. Because for me, this is a story, Groundhog Day is a story of somebody who turns the worst day of his life into the best day of his life by changing his story about himself and what it means to be a human being and about what matters the most in life. So... I used the ideas in the book in the 1990s in my leadership training. I got my students to watch it at Oxford and other universities I taught at. And 20 years ago, I met Danny Rubin, who's a screenwriter, and came up with the initial idea of Groundhog Day. And we became good friends. And he actually wrote the introduction to my book. And when through my conversations with him, I really understood the deep spirituality and philosophy underneath this book and the reason it has been chosen as one of the most spiritual movies ever made which unless you can understand what danny was talking about and the real meaning of the transformation in this uh, movie is quite difficult to get but it's a profound metaphor for the human nature and you know you're when I think about the art of manliness, a lot of self-help books are written for an audience which is men and women. And I would say, I don't know the exact number, say 75-80% of self-help books are, are, are bought by women. But what I found with my book and Groundhog Day, it appealed particularly to men. Because it was almost like a comedy gave them permission to think about their inner life, think about and talk about their feelings. So it's a great way of opening a conversation about a whole range of personal development areas.
0: Okay, for those who aren't familiar familiar with the basic plot of the movie, I mean, it's become such a cultural touchstone. I mean, when you talk about something that happens over and over again, people just say, oh, it's like Groundhog Day. It's become that embedded in our culture. But for those who aren't familiar, maybe a refresher, what's the, the Reader's Digest version of the plot of the movie
1: sure well it's a tale grandhog day is a tale about a very cynical ambitious weatherman uh, phil connors who's played by bill murray and how he becomes trapped in the small town of punksatoni and reliving the exact same day february the 2nd over and over again now there's a lot of debate about how long he was there and danny is never going to tell me maybe he's not sure but we reckon around about 20 to 30 years we'll give you a good idea of repeating the same day and through this he goes through the whole spectrum of emotions Uh, at first he has fun with it he's stuck in time then he goes into shifts into a real sense of despair and he tries to kill himself again and again but then he reframes his whole attitude to what's happened and he discovers that actually there's real joy to be found in this small town which he despised at first and he learns to love it and he turns his life around and he learns through perseverance resilience resourcefulness to gradually adapt cope and ultimately triumph over this adversity and he turns this this very cold bitter february day when all hope had seemed lost into really a perfect day and you see him at the end he falls in love with rita who is producer is his producer and they wake up together on a new day the 3rd of february and phil has escaped the time trap and is free at last yeah. So, okay. Phil starts out cynical and through this this refining process
0: becomes less selfish, more engaged with the world around him and love. I mean, it's like love is like what saved him. and got him out of the time loop.
1: Absolutely. He... He really shifted and we'll, we'll talk about this more. I'm sure from this idea of living through his personality and his goals and his desires and his self centeredness to learning to really transcend his ego and move to this much higher state of consciousness where he was able to find that he had everything he needed in a town that he had previously despised on a day that he had loathed and with people he hadn't cared about he discovered his true self and i feel that this is a a beautiful allegory a parable for how we can all live and how we can find what's most meaningful and significant in our lives
0: and as you said uh this is considered one of the most spiritual films i mean if you just look at that basic plot you can see the the influences of buddhism like buddhism has the same sort of idea you reincarnate until you kind of figure things out and you can escape reincarnation and reach nirvana. There's philosophical implications. You know, Nietzsche also kind of did some thought experiments about if, if you could live your life over and over again for eternity, like, would you want to live this life? So it makes you think like, well, how do I want to live this life right now?
1: That's a very good point, Brett. And you know, these philosophical questions are not just dry, abstract questions. It's a superb question to look at your life and see it from different perspectives, just as Phil was forced to do in Groundhog Day. And with this new perspective, you can see, where am I going in this life? Is this the life I want to be living? And you can look back at the past and say, would I have done things differently? Then imagine yourself in the future looking at you today saying, what would I do differently now? And this also accords with salvation in Christianity, with enlightenment in Buddhism, with, you know, other major religions. In fact, Danny, who who wrote the screenplay, still gets letters from spiritual leaders from around the world claiming to have the uh, definitive interpretation of what this movie is. Like all works of genius, it has multiple interpretations.
0: So, you argue that a lot of people live their lives like Phil stuck in Groundhog Day. They might not be in a literal time loop, but they live the same day over and over again. You call it the Groundhog Day condition. What is that and how does it manifest itself?
1: Well, I've been um, working as a you know a coach and an academic for nearly forty years now, and I noticed something in the the thousands of people I work with that they could be uh, in London today, in Oklahoma tomorrow, in Japan the next day, but in their inner life they were replaying the same thoughts and feelings, and emotional patterns, often going all the way back to childhood. And I call this the Groundhog Day condition. It's the sense that, Every day, you're having very similar thoughts and feelings. Some neuroscientists say that about 80 to 90% of what we think about today is the same as yesterday. And we are creatures of habit, and we tend to get stuck in these grooves. Sometimes it can really help us, but often we get stuck in a state of worrying or multitasking or busyness and distraction, and we can feel disconnected from a direct experience of life and from real joy. And for me, when I thought about this idea of Groundhog Day, uh, in its broader psychological meaning, it seemed to answer, offer answers to the questions like, why do we feel stuck? Why is change so hard? Why do I feel unfulfilled? Why do I feel that life is passing me by? And why is it that often what we think we want turns out to be disappointing? And with Groundhog Day, it allows you to excavate below the surface and see what's really going on in your habitual thinking and feeling, which most of us never do. Most of us, when we feel sad or unhappy, we try and change something outside of us. You know, we we go away, we go on vacation, we might change job, partner, or where we live, but it rarely. Fixes the issue or the problem. It's only when we change from the inside out that we make real change, and that's what Phil does in this movie. Okay, so you highlight in the book you know,
0: some of the symptoms that you've noticed in people who you have this Groundhog Day condition, uh, feeling that you're stuck. I know I'm sure a lot of people felt like that. Compulsive thoughts and feelings that ha- that's a big that's a symptom of you know anxiety and depression. You kind of have these reoccurring, ruminating thoughts that aren't. Productive, living on autopilot, a sense of meaninglessness. I'm sure everyone listening has had those moments when they're lying in bed thinking, "What's the point of it all? What am I doing?" And then, yeah, the powerlessness to change. Like you think everything is determined by your outside conditions.
1: Absolutely. And you know, those compulsive thoughts and feelings are very, very powerful. In fact, one of the best pieces of advice I can ever give someone is is to say, "You are not your thoughts." Is and, and a lot of therapeutic techniques have this where you separate yourself from your thinking and realize that it's not you often it's just noise but when you suffer from depression anxiety you take your thoughts far more seriously and you ruminate on them as you mentioned and i sense that in groundhog day he learned to break away from thinking all the time and just experience life more in being mode rather than thinking mode and that's something i feel we've we all need to do because we're in we live in a civilization where everything is around our thinking and and about constantly being distracted it's the reason you know the world health organization has said by 2030 depression is going to be the biggest health problem in the world now a lot of it's down to the pandemic, you know, political problems, wars, uh, economic crises. But I feel at its root is in our civilization, we've become disconnected from ourselves. And we are caught, we get caught in these thinking loops where we're fixated on what we don't have, on what we believe will make us happy. And as psychologists talk with a hedonic treadmill, it, once you get on that, you can never get off because you're never going to be able to satisfy this, this constant hunger for more and Groundhog Day is a great story for illustrating this, in my view. Well, you also highlight the, you know, the the causes or of Groundhog
0: Day condition. We talked about your mind, you know, these cognitive processes and preferences for you know rumination that aren't healthy or productive. But you also talk about just your life history. Can cause it, the way you're parented, your education, you know, your, the type of career you choose. And like you're surrounded by people who they're all pursuing a particular goal. And you think, well, I need to do that because everyone else is doing it, but that might not be good for you.
1: Very much so, you know my my view, and I think this is becoming more prevalent amongst psychologists, is that we have multiple personalities at some level or sub personalities. They're different parts of us. We're one person with our partner or spouse. We're another person with our parents. Another person with our friends or at work or with a CEO. We change. But we are often governed by these personality patterns that we can trace back to childhood and our conditioning, the way we were parented, the way we were schooled, whether we're the eldest, youngest, or like me, an only child. Our friends, then our workplace, our culture, our social media, and you know, and and the countries we live in. You know, living in I've lived in Britain, I've lived in the States, and they can have a different impact and influence on your personality. But the problem is we are personality personality. personality becomes our identity and we feel it's fixed we feel it's as real as the microphone i'm speaking into but it's not it's fluid it's dynamic and again in groundhog day we see how it can change but the problem is brett we get stuck in our ego and these stories we tell ourselves we get stuck in our roles our conditioning our neediness and our unconscious drives and it's only when you can get out of those and, and rise above them and see them for what they are that they're not you They're only part of you, and they're fleeting, and often they're not very helpful. That's when the real change happens. Now, it took Phil in the movie, you know, 20, 30 years to get there. What I tried to do in the book was come up with a framework to use the same process, which I think is very valid, but applied in your life to cut through all these different versions of yourself, which can hold you back. Well, you also argue this this Groundhog Day condition creates what's called the conditioned
0: self, and this is the self that's just created by all these conditions that we find ourselves in, like we're we're controlled from the outside. I mean, what are the, like, how does the conditioned self manifest itself? Like, what are the characteristics? Like, where? how do you see those in Phil in Groundhog Day?
1: Well, with Phil, I, I identify five core characteristics, but there are all versions of a conditioned self. For Phil, the dominant one that came across at the beginning was a sense of entitlement. He was selfish proud self-centered almost narcissistic you know when he came into town he wanted the best hotel he called himself the talent he wanted to find a phone line for celebrities because he believed he was one and he believed that the more he focused on satisfying his own needs the happier he would become and it took the whole experience of the film to to eliminate that very negative and erroneous attitude so that's fulfilled, the sense of entitlement is stronger. For me, my dominant conditioned self has been the need for approval. I wanted my parents' approval, especially my dad, my friend's recognition. I went to a school where Your whole self-esteem was based on how well you did in tests or whether you were good at sports. You were called by your surname. There was no joy. There was no friendliness or amicability. You were just a number and you were measured. In business, it was very much the same. Now, I've really managed to overcome that drive. It's taken me many, many years, but we have a need for approval. Others could be a need for security or dependency or control, perfectionism. But I believe, based on my experience, that everyone listening to this podcast will know that there's some part of them going back to their childhood that could be limiting their potential for happiness. And it could be sabotaging them in some way. And these are stories which go back to our childhood, which we buy into, often to cope, to survive a playground, survive bad parenting, to help us get through life. But what can be useful as a coping mechanism in the playground can be very damaging in adulthood and can ruin our relationships too. Okay, so Phil started off the movie, Arrogant, the conditioned self. Uh, how
0: did he become aware that he was a conditioned self in the movie? And then how do you think we become aware of our conditioned self? Because that's the first thing, you have to know that you you are this thing before you can make a change, right? Exactly.
1: Well, one of the reasons I wanted to write about Groundhog Day rather than do a more academic book or a more traditional self-help book was I believe Groundhog Day is so accurate to how we live our life. In that Phil doesn't have a guru. There's no magic wizard or or mentor helping him through here. He has to find out everything through trial and error. Through learning by doing, learning through experience. And through the film, he tries out every possible strategy to be happy. He sleeps with different women, he he commits crimes, he eats till he's obese. He does anything he wants. And gradually he eliminates these these needs from his conditioned self. He lets go of the entitlement. He lets go of the the need for control. He lets go of his need to be admired by everybody. And he just lets go and naturally becomes a more loving, kind person. And I feel that when you cut through the conditioned self and you go to what I call the authentic self, you can touch who you really are, and, and, and you're so much more than your personality. But to answer your question, it gets there through trial and error. And that's the only way, ultimately, we can learn. We can have therapists, we can have coaches, but we learn from observing our own experience and acknowledging it and trying something new every day that's the essence of the movie he tries something new every day
0: well it's not like phil kind of follows the buddha I mean, is that right so like his first buddha goes out there he's looking for enlightenment the first way he tries to like find it through sensuality right trying to like hook up with a lot of women and he's like that didn't work and then he found an aesthetic who is kind of life denying and i'm just going to live in this cloistered world and not eat and that didn't get it and like that phil you know basically he becomes life denying the most extreme way killing himself, trying to kill himself. And then he finds this middle middle path, basically, like the Buddha. No,
1: you're spot on. There are a lot of parallels to the story of Buddha. But, you know, I, if, um, I'd encourage everyone to, to stop and think for a moment about what is their story about what will make them happy. What do you think will make you happy? Because in the movie... Phil has this unique opportunity through the time loop to test out every possible strategy for living, everything, because he's got infinite time, and as far as he knows, he's trapped in time forever, for eternity. And through trying out everything, he discovers what the great religious leaders have told us, what many of the great psychologists have told us, what we're now learning from positive psychology, from neuroscience, is the way to live which is to be in the present, which is to be loving, kind, find meaning, help others. You know, this is the beauty of the film, is that through this, this incredible story, he's actually summarizing what we're now learning from modern science, modern psychology, as well as what we've known for thousands of years from ancient wisdom like Buddhism.
0: We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And now back to the show. Well, yeah, and I think that's the, one of the big takeaways. The thing that, the, the transformation that happened in Phil, there's a couple of transformations by being stuck in the time loop. One, he realized, okay, he can't change the outside world, right? Everything's just going to happen, the same thing over and over, and he can't change that. So he has to change himself. But the other one, his, his relationship to time changed by being stuck in the time loop. And it shifted him from that past and future orientation to a, present orientation. And you talk about in the book, oftentimes, like a, most of our thoughts are about the past and the future. And thinking about that can make us happy sometimes, right? If you think about a good memory from the past, that makes us feel good. If you think about you're looking forward to a, a trip you're going to, that can make us happy. But oftentimes we, when we're focused on the past and the future,
1: it often makes us miserable. Why is that? Well, that's an extremely important point. And you know, right when I was writing this book and before, I've been practicing mindfulness, so I've always been interested, both professionally and personally, in how we can spend more time in the present moment. You know, I love books like The Power of Now, Michael Singer's work. I, you know, But again, in Groundhog Day, what's fascinating is how his relationship to time changes throughout the movie. At first... Time is an irritation to be endured. He's waiting there impatiently to, in, in the town he doesn't want to be in to return to his former life as a celebrity weatherman. In the city, you know, there's a contrast between this slow, dull, what he calls Hicksville, and the exciting, vibrant city then time becomes a resource where he can use it to exploit other people so he uses the time loop to seduce women as i said and do other things which are not really helping anyone next though it becomes this terrible onerous burden to be suffered for eternity there's that wonderful point in the movie when the clock turns around very slowly and there's this loud crash as it comes to six o'clock and time is a weight pinning him down but then finally when he goes to the present moment and he stops thinking about the past and the future and he realizes he is in an eternal present then become time becomes a great gift where he can learn new skills like us sculpting he's got the time to learn piano to help others and ultimately to find happiness and when he becomes aware that time's a gift he really learns how to master time and he slows right down and pays attention to the present and he reframes what had become a terrible, what previously been a terrible day when he was just focused on the, the past, what he'd lost and the future, how he could get, get out of there and became grounded in the present moment. And that's where his happiness lied. And ironically, it's only when his future was removed that he could really recognize the gift of the present moment. And he says to Rita at one point, no matter what happens tomorrow, or for the rest of my life, I'm happy now. And you, you argue that you know
0: that that shift that he makes from not being focused on the future to the, just being focused on the present and the world around him, like he achieves, and going back to sort of the, the religious motifs in this movie, he achieves a, a state of grace in this time loop.
1: Very much so for me, a state of grace. It's a phrase. Um, it's not a common phrase, but it, to me, it means being in the present, it's a peak state when you feel most calm, most present, and most alive. It's when you're in the flow, or maybe what Maslow calls self-actualization. If you look at the characteristics of that, it's about being present and alive. And Phil achieves this state when he changes his story about what's happened to him. And the key moment in the movie, the real pivotal moment, is when he's trapped in a time loop and he's teaching Rita to flick cards into a hat another useless thing he's learned in the time and she asks him is this what you want to do with eternity then she suggests that eternity could be a blessing in disguise she says to him i don't know phil maybe it's not a curse it just depends on how you look at it now he begins to realize that the time loop is a blessing and he shifts to this state of grace he shifts to a higher level of consciousness you could call this enlightenment um but whatever your views he fundamentally changes the way he looks the way he acts everything about him shifts and he's in this state of grace and this higher level of consciousness which is just extraordinary to watch and i think we all have this grace this innate well-being this appreciation this love this wisdom and the one of the key goals of our life is to connect to it or reconnect to it. Maybe we had it as children before education got hold of us. Maybe we had it when we weren't just thinking all the time and we were just being. Um, So I think it's a very powerful moment in the movie.
0: Yeah, and for me, like a state of grace is kind of like you realize what you do doesn't matter, but it does matter at the same time, right? I mean, I think Phil realizes that, that there's that really powerful moment where Phil... You know, he, he's making that shift from selfishness to selflessness. And there's that homeless guy, the old homeless guy, and he dies every, every day. And Phil at first tries to save him. And you can tell that he's like, I got to save this guy. And he gets really frustrated that he can never save this guy. This guy will just keep dying. And then he realizes, I'm, I'm not going to be able to save him. He's, I can't do anything about that. But what I can do in the meantime, I can just, I can give this guy a warm meal. I can be kind to him. That's what I can do. And once you let go of that, I mean, that's I think that's that state of grace. Like he knew he couldn't change anything, but he knew he could do something now.
1: Yeah, that is, um, again, a very important part of the movie where I think several things are going on here. Everything you say is absolutely true. He realizes it's not not everything is going to have an end goal or an end state he's not going to be successful in everything but it's the actual act of doing it it's the quality of his moment-to-moment life that's more important in a way than actually what happens and we live in a a, a culture where everybody's focused on goals and achieving things and and end states we're all working towards these these end states we think will make us happy but it's The true, truly happy people are people who enjoy the journey. I know this is a cliche, but the movie really brings that out. But there's something else about the old man that I think is critical here, and that is at some point phil could almost believe that he was divine that he was a god he had almighty power but when he realizes he can't save the old man he lets go of a lot about hubris and a lot about pride and has an even deeper compassion for he- other people because it's a compassion that we are all you know he he, he can't save everyone and that people are going to die and not even he can fix that and that gives him a deeper appreciation of human nature and a deeper compassion in my view
0: so how do you think we can make that shift from to this present focus and get into that state of grace without having to be stuck in a literal time loop like what do you what does that look like on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, I think there's a number of things. I think mindfulness is incredibly important, and I'm sure you've had many guests who talk about mindfulness, but mindfulness allows you, even momentarily, to escape from the noise, escape from all the future projections, and just be. For me, being out in nature is critical. We have forgotten that this world is a miracle groundhog day is a story of how he discovers that his life is a miracle but even in this town which he hated at first with these people he was contemptuous of he has everything he needs to be happy and so whether it be through mindfulness through gratitude practices through being in nature through volunteering there's many different roads to get there I encourage everyone to spend far less time focusing on what you don't have or what you think will make you happy, and far more time focusing on what you do have. We've known this for thousands of years, and but now we know, you know, places like the University of Berkeley have a massive department dedicated to the study of gratitude, and we know from many studies that the people who are the most grateful are also the happiest, and also that people who might be billionaires, but they worried why they've got less billions than their main competitor, are going to be miserable in many ways. But the whole of our society is set up for scarcity, for focusing on what we don't have and what we do have. So we need to have rituals and behaviors to counteract these social and economic forces, which are always based on scarcity and lack.
0: Yeah, so okay, mindfulness, I think, just paying attention more to the world around you. That's the big shift that happens with Phil. He actually starts engaging with this small town and he realized, well, here's this homeless guy. And then here's this person. This person has a story. I mean, he just, instead of seeing these people as means to an end, he starts seeing the world around him as as an end.
1: That's very true. And, you know, in, in the work I do with leaders, we have a model called transactional leadership and transformational leadership. Transactional leadership is where you lead or manage people as a means to an end. You treat people almost like pawns on a chessboard to control them, to achieve your goals, increase productivity, and it, it takes all the emotion out of it. Transformational leadership is a view that everybody you come across, you can transform, you can improve their life. It's about giving, not taking. It's about helping people, people feel good about themselves. And Phil goes from being very transactional to being transformational. And he does that by letting go of his ego and reconnecting to his deeper self.
0: Well, you argue, I think you mentioned this earlier, that one of the most powerful lessons from Groundhog Day is that all of life consists of skills that you must practice to master. How did this idea show up in the movie?
1: Well, I think the unique if you like, model or strategy coming out of Groundhog Day. If you're looking at Groundhog Day as a template or as a blueprint for your life, a lot of what I've said you can find in other books, you probably find in other movies. But what I think is unique about Groundhog Day is this concept of practice, is establishing what skills do you need. And I think that Phil learns a whole range of skills through resourcefulness, resilience, appreciation, how to change each day, a growth mindset, you know, how to grow through learning, how to create a positive intention at the beginning of the day, and how to find meaning. But these are all skills, and not just attitudes, they're skills. And the genius of Groundhog Day is how he learns. He learns by Changing something small every day through incremental, small daily changes. Now, we know from psychotherapy, we know from coaching, we know from health interventions that the best way to bring about a behavioral change is through small incremental changes and groundhog day is a beautiful parable about how he does that so the end of every day he can reset he knows tomorrow everybody's going to be doing exactly the same they're going to be going to the same places the same activities saying the same things with the same people the only thing that changes is him so he can try something new every day until he gets it right and my feeling is from working as i say, with thousands of people coaching and leadership is those people maybe about 10 or 20 percent of people who really get the big changes in their life it's not because of knowledge it's not because of desire it's not because of personality it's because they change their behavior they do the work they do the practice and groundhog day is all about somebody who does the work and and so I think that's the absolute key to this, you know, in terms of if you want to change your life. And the biggest message of a movie is that daily practice.
0: Okay, yeah. So with this, trying something new every day doesn't have to be anything big. I mean, just try doing little things in your behavior or your daily routine. So I'm thinking of some examples here, like you know, try doing an act of service for your wife every day, see what happens. Say no to people when they ask you to do something you don't want to do, instead of you know, looking at your phone first thing in the morning, try meditating for five minutes before you pick up your phone. Or you could try, if you if you watch Netflix at night before you go to bed, try reading a book instead. But as you say, the key is just to pick one thing. You don't have to pick multiple things at the same time. Just focus on one thing at a time and then see what happens.
1: No, absolutely. And, you know... With Phil, he learns to play the piano, he learns ice sculpture, he learns other skills, but he also learns the art of living. Now, he doesn't even learn that consciously, he doesn't sit down with a self-help book, but he just learns it through his experience. My view is we should approach living in the same way we approach learning how to read and write, or drive a car, or play golf. And through practice, all the skills are out there. There are free courses all over the internet from some of the best universities in the world, but it's how you practice. That is the absolute key here.
0: Yeah. And so like big life skills, you know, the quality you talked about, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the small decisions you make. So get better at decision making. That can be a big game changer.
1: Yeah. And then um Again, in Groundhog Day, he can see how his decisions work out. Now, because he can try something on a Thursday and the next day he'll know whether it's worked or not. And he can make these small little changes and and monitor results. But we can do this too. If you've got a difficult boss, try saying something new to them tomorrow. Try a new approach. Try smiling more and just notice what happens. The worst thing is we get stuck, and this is a Groundhog Day condition, we get stuck in these habitual default reactions and responses to things, but we can only change through trying something new, which he does again and again. Well, I think what's empowering about this movie it helps you realize, okay, I might not be stuck
0: in a literal time loop, but I've got, you know, hopefully 20, 30 years to live, you know, 40 years left of life. I can make the most of those, that time. I can, I can start the changes that will accumulate over time today
1: absolutely and you know there's one sentence that i take away from my my book and the movie it's this this concept that he turns the worst day of his life when he tries to kill himself again and again into the best day of his life when he's in love and he's happy he's joyful and passionate and the only thing that changes is him he doesn't move to a new place he doesn't have a new job he doesn't become a billionaire win the lottery he doesn't you know win mvp he just changes his inner life and his outer life becomes magnificent. And there is achievable for absolutely everyone. Anybody can follow that. You don't need to be in a time loop. All the tools are out there. All the ingredients and in the recipe are there. I think Groundhog Day is a beautiful recipe, but the ingredients are all there. Well,
0: Paul, is there something like if you there's like one thing someone can start doing today that's from your book and from the Groundhog Day? that could start getting them on this path of escaping the groundhog day condition.
1: What would that thing be, you think? As a practical technique, Brett, I think there's nothing better than journaling. I insist on everyone I work with journaling, because journaling allows you to capture and record what's happened today To investigate what's happened today, to write in your total privacy, complete confidentiality about how you feel about it, and then set an intention that tomorrow you're going to try something new. So, whether it be in a relationship or something to do with your mental health or a new skill you're learning, just take one behavior and for a few weeks, just record the experience of trying something new every day. Notice what works, what doesn't work. When you journal, The actual act of getting it out of your head onto paper is profoundly liberating and it means it's far more likely that you're going to follow through on those behaviour. It's a form of commitment. It also allows you to declutter your mind, and it can make you feel calmer and happier. This is why so many therapists and in positive psychology people use journaling. In research, it's used because it works. It works brilliantly. It's a simple technique, and um, there are there are many many others. But that was the one I would encourage you. If you want, if you like this idea of Groundhog Day and this daily change, start recording your day and see each day almost as a lifetime. And when you wake up tomorrow you can be reborn you can reinvent yourself you can wipe the slate clean from yesterday and reinvent yourself today and journaling is the mechanism to do that
0: yeah i think this whole idea of treating your life like an experiment is, is powerful but i only think it works if when you're testing out these different hypotheses to see you know if it'll improve your life you have to record the results of your experiments I mean, even if it's not like a formal journal, you just kind of make a note for yourself, maybe on your, your, your phone in the notes app, because I, I, you think, okay, I know this about myself now, and I'm going to remember this in the future, but you don't. I mean, here's, here's some examples from my own life. Whenever I get invited to a social event, I think, oh, geez, I don't like this thing. I get ready. Got to go there and do the small talk. But then afterwards, after I've gone to the thing, I'm like, man, I really had a great time. I'm so glad I did that. Or, I mean, here's another thing I've, I've learned, I have to keep re-realizing that I don't like to go on vacation somewhere where I'll be doing things in crowds of people. I mean, you weirdly have to record that kind of stuff so you remember it. So you don't end up in that groundhog day condition. The journaling can also help you figure out if you are in the groundhog day condition, because you you mentioned this in the book. I had the similar experience with journaling. I I don't journal anymore regularly, but I, I was a regular journaler. And one thing I noticed that okay, stuff would different stuff would happen, and I'd write about it. But there's this underlying current of just pessimism and negativity that I could see that would happen you know, 20 years ago, 15 years, is is the same thing. I was like, okay, I'm repeating these thought patterns over and over again. I need to do something about this. And I think you you mentioned you had the similar experience.
1: Oh, absolutely. Again, one of the reasons I wrote the book was I was living what most people say was an amazing lifestyle. I lived in a, you know, 9,000 square foot house in one of the most luxurious real estate in, in California. I had very successful businesses. I was flying first class around the world. But when I looked at my journals, it was the same anxieties, the same insecurities, the same resentments, the same fears day after day after day. And I suddenly realised I can't carry on doing this. This is this is insane. I've spent my whole life on this flawed strategy of going outside to fix these inner problems, and through journaling and looking at my journal and seeing this year after year, I realised I, I thought, well, I'm either insane. Or I've got to <laughs> there's something going on here, and uh, it really woke me up because a journal is a, re- a record, and we forget things. You know, we easily forget how we feel. We forget our moods. We can. F- We can remember dates, we can remember people, but we lose sight of our feelings and experience. But when you look back at it and investigate it and learn techniques for questioning it, you know, like what else could this mean? What else could cause this? What could I do next to help me get through this? There's some beautiful questions you can learn from cognitive therapy, acceptance, commitment therapy, and many different techniques. It's all available on the web and in very good books. But just the act of journaling makes yourself your own coach, your own mentor. Well,
0: Paul, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the book and your work?
1: Well, sure. Well, on my website, I have um, excerpts from a book and more about me, which is paulhannam.com, www.paulhannam.com. My book is The Wisdom of Groundhog Day. Most of my time now, I'm doing a lot of work around mental health. I have been for years, which I think is the you know one of the most serious issues in the world right now. And, you know, find out more about me there, most definitely. Well, Paul Hannam, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: My guest is Paul Hannum. He's the author of the book, The Wisdom of Groundhog Day. It's available on amazon.com. Also check out his website, paulhanum.com and check out our show notes at awmis groundhog where you find links to resources where we delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the A1 Podcast. Make sure to check out our website at artofmanless.com. Where you find our podcast archives, as well as thousands of articles we've written over the years about pretty much anything you think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the A1 Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLESS check out for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download Stitcher App on Android iOS, and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the A1 Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give your view an Apple Podcast or Spotify. It helps out a lot. If you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member. who would think we get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, is Brett McKay. Remind to not on list one podcast, but put what you've heard into action.